Good morning. Hey, welcome to Marine Creek. Welcome to our Christmas hangover service. Um, how many of you are just uh, Christmased out now? <laughs> Sorry, I, I was the one responsible for that last Christmas, Carol, because I just wanted one more, you know. I'm the one that uh, got in trouble in our family for starting Christmas music before Thanksgiving, um, and I'll be the one to get in trouble for keeping it going after Christmas. Um, I do have a really good friend that listens to Christmas music all throughout the year, though, so just blame him. Uh, this morning, I, I really decided to go a little bit different direction. So if you've got your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to talk for just a little bit in that. Um, and I'm not being really OCD with my phone, if you were watching me during worship. Um, we may be getting a call from our partner church, Mosaic, because um, they're having their Christmas, uh, day after Christmas services too. So we may call and just let our church wish each other a Merry Christmas and, and uh, say hi to our sister church, Mosaic. Um, but if not, then I'll just leave and I'll be more insecure today because uh, he didn't call. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Christmas is, is a joyous time. This is a time where we celebrate, you know, the Savior coming to earth. And, and uh, there's so much emotion wrapped up in a day. There's so much emotion wrapped up in a season. And uh, I was really harshly reminded yesterday that for some, uh, this time of year is not always a joyous time of year. Uh, for some, it's a, a really a hard reminder um, of the realities of life and uh, that uh, it brings back memories of pain. And uh, as Heather said yesterday, we had to put our dog down. She was 14. We'd had her for 11 years. And that was hard to see our family go through that. However, um, and then thinking as a father, every Christmas day, and I think Abby said this, that every Christmas day will remember this. Um, I, that's not all such a bad thing. I spent yesterday in a lot of reflection, and yeah, I, would, I spent, I'm cried out today, honestly. My eyes are puffy, and Heather's like, I might have something I can put on that. And I said, no. no. Um, I, I'm man enough to admit that I will cry when crying is needed done, and I lost my good friend yesterday. So, But uh, it was a reminder that, you know, we go through pain, and that, uh, not everyone experiences emotions at the same level we do. And uh, honestly, uh, yesterday was uh, good for me because after I left the vet um, and was surrounded by family, it really kind of brought uh, just a peace to me. And there's joy, yes, and that joy wasn't bubbling over yesterday like, like it does sometimes in my life. But yesterday, there's this solid rock foundation of joy. Like, like David prayed in Psalms when he said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And joy is not based on our, our circumstances. That's, that's what we call happiness. We get the word happiness from happenings or happenstance. And yesterday, I, I can't explain it, but I just prayed, God, you said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, and I need that right now. And what I loved is being around family and feeling that joy and that peace. And yes, it was difficult. Yes, it was tough. But there's this family that I have that can surround me with this. And then I, I was thinking yesterday that, that some people in our community don't have a family support system like I have. I'm very fortunate. And some don't always get that. And then I thought, and God just, as he's comforting me, he said, that's why the church exists on earth. It's so you have this, this family that, that when others don't feel the joy the same way you do, or maybe you're a little bit sickened by, by how joyous some are, 
and you're experiencing just a tremendous amount of pain this time of year, that's the beauty of family coming together. And that's really what I want to center on. You know, yesterday I was hearing a Christmas song, and it was old tidings of comfort and joy. And, I mean, it's just those things, okay, okay, God, bring me that comfort and joy. You know, just let that wash over me like a wave. Let me feel that. And we spend so much time, and I mentioned this Christmas Eve, we spend so much time seeking the peace and seeking the comfort, seeking the joy, that we miss out on the giver of all of these things. We miss out on our Savior who did submit himself to a manger so that his presence is in our life, and we can experience the fullness of joy, the real peace, and a love that transcends us, and a love that passes, and peace that passes, and understanding that we have. And I would rather have... God and chase his presence than all of these other things. And what I love is I'm not alone. And when I go into these modes of of hurting and and really these times of pain and and scripture says suffering, um, I'm not alone. And I love that. Uh, We have this saying here at Marine Creek, the me too. You know, it doesn't just go for, hey, you're struggling with something, me too. Or you've been through hurt, me too. It is, you know, are, is life just really smacking you in the face? Me too. You know, yesterday was a hard, harsh reality of life and the messiness of life and the hurt of life and the pain of life. But also the reason that yesterday was so painful and so messy was because there, you know, we love our dog, you know, and there's an investment in there. The reason life gets so messy and there's suffering and hurt and pain is because we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in our relationships. I mean, think about, think about heaven. You know, there's joy going on in heaven as Jesus, you know, comes through Mary's womb into this manger. There's joy going on, but there's probably some mixed emotions because God knows what he's sending his son to do. And so I think there we can have God comfort us with, you know, loss, me too. Yes, it was joy to see my son. And and Jesus, who at the foundation of the world said, I will be that sacrifice. But it's still, there's, there's joy in knowing that Jesus is going to be the sacrifice and the reconciliation for mankind back to their creator. But still, I mean, as a father... There's emotion wrapped up in this. And so I want to read, read this scripture, and uh, let's talk through this just a little bit. First uh, Corinthians, we'll start in verse 3. Second um, uh, Corinthians 1, I'm sorry. Um, start in verse 3. Uh, Paul's making a greeting. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And uh, here's what he, he goes into. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. That the word, if, did you catch the key word there in that passage? Um, if you didn't, I'll give it to you. It's comfort. Um, we can tend to get so, uh, so emotionally built up that we miss this idea of comfort. 
um, we as a society tend to try to numb ourselves from different things and uh, really just put up walls and exclude ourselves from feeling pain. Um, and I have met people who try to isolate themselves from every amount of pain, and it's impossible. Um, the the really reality of life is pain comes, suffering comes, things happen, and we desire comfort. And Paul is writing to this church, and it's interesting because he used this word comfort ten times in these verses. And what it really means in verse 5, 6, and 7, it's really translated consolation. And uh, in... Um, Consolation means to call to one side. It's the same thing in John 14 when Jesus said uh, the, the Holy Spirit will come and he will be a comforter to you. He will be this. It's better that he comes. What he's saying is this comfort is someone coming be- beside you. I don't know if you've ever felt that, that hurt or just that pain and somebody just comes up and you just feel a hand on your shoulder. You know, last night I was just kind of standing there and Heather came up and rubbed my back. That comfort, that, that I mean, knowing she's by my side. What Paul is saying here is God is the God of all comfort. That when we are in that pain, when we are experiencing difficulty, when we experience loss, even when we experience joy, he comes alongside of us and just, just pats us on the shoulder, puts our hand on our back. And that brings a peace and a joy and a comfort into us. And uh, what, he's, what he's talking about is Paul looked upon his trials. You know, if you know Paul's resume and know anything about the Apostle Paul, um, he suffered a little bit for Jesus um, to the point where uh, I hope that I would be strong enough to suffer some of the things Paul suffered and still have the faith that he has. One of, one of our families in our church, I, I sent a prayer request out to our church. One of our families uh, knows a pastor in Iran who has been arrested um, who has a church in Iran, has been arrested and sentenced to death um, for crimes against Iran. And the actual charge is apostasy. And they have his wife and he in custody and has this death sentence over him. I hope that if I were to suffer, called to suffer that way for, for Christ, that I would have the strength of character and faith that some exhibit. I mean, I, I pray that I wouldn't just fold and crumble and say, just let me go home. But Paul is saying, I share in Christ's sufferings. And the interesting thing about this is that we as a family, when, when we accept Jesus, when, when we accept this reality and this truth that Jesus came to earth in a manger, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, and that he gave of himself on the cross, and that the power of the Holy Spirit, um, this comforter, brought him from the grave. When we put our faith in that truth and we become a new creation, we are part of the church. We are part of this family. The church in scriptures referred to as the body and as a family. And, and we know, we understand that the bodies and families are not perfect. There's, there's a certain amount of dysfunction that exists in both. I'm seeing that happen within my own body, this dysfunction, especially as I try to shove these massive amounts of dressing and turkey and rolls and gravy down my gullet, you know? My body's saying, no, no, no more. And I'm ready to do it again, man. I'm like, is there leftovers today? You know, bring it on. You know, I only get, this is Christmas and Thanksgiving. We need to space these meals out a little bit, honestly, because <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, in my family, it is throw down central. It, it, you know, I, I grew up with the mentality of, man, he who eats the fastest gets the most. And so I hit that table, and I'm just, I mean, I, I hurt. I take a nap just so my body can recover. 
there's a certain amount of dysfunction going on in my body. I'm also from a large family. Many, uh, not one, I say large. Some of you got like crazy sized families, like nine kids. I feel sorry for your parents. Um, I grew up four kids in our household, mom and dad. And so uh, understanding that's four different personalities of children and mom and dad trying to lead us and guide us. Um, There's a certain healthy amount of dysfunction that happens growing up. Um, especially with, with siblings. You know, you understand that? If you have siblings, you can, get, you can shout out an amen, and I can get a witness on that. that, that it, sometimes it's difficult to live with other siblings. And, and families have a dysfunction. But here's the thing. Church is considered a family. It's considered a body. It's not perfect. But Christ is the head of this body and the head of the church who is perfect. And we have a model and an example of perfection to follow. Now, that doesn't give us excuse or right to say, well, we're not perfect, we're just forgiven, so I will continue to go on and and step on toes and live an unchanged life so that I can have a sense of belonging. I think then we abuse a relationship with our family, and we abuse ourselves as being a part of a body that has a function greater than ourselves. I mean, under, understand this, that when, if we consider ourselves a part of a body, let's say I'm a finger, uh, I can't think that I am the most important thing on the body. I, it's just going to be impossible. I can say, well, well, without me, you, you just can't point to anything. You know, you know without, me and the, without me as the index finger in the body of Christ, you know, if, if there's something that needs to be picked, it ain't happening. You know, it's so... You just cannot, you know, if there's something that has to be indexed, forget it. I don't know why we call it index finger, but um, I do know why. But we can't expect us to think we're the most important thing in the body. And we can't expect that we're going to be perfect. But the beauty of it is when we go through these, these trials and when we partner in these sufferings and when we become partners through these, these sufferings, that's when the body comes together. And what, what I love about, about, about Marine Creek is that, that when, when we have people who are hurting, there are people that come alongside of them. And they can say, me too. I mean, me too is a very comforting phrase. When, when we just kind of let ourselves be vulnerable and bear it. I mean, I, I, I have been in situations and I, I have fallen uh, victim to situations where, where you like step out with that little bit of vulnerability and it gets abused. You know, or, or you share with someone what you're really struggling with, and it gets back to you in the form of a prayer request. Like, oh, just pray for Matt. I don't want to go into full detail, but you need, well, you need to know the specifics on how to pray for him. So let me just give you this. It's a prayer request. Just pray for him. You know, this is what's going on. And then, but, but, and then you're like, whoa, Matt's got big problems. No, I, we've all been abused that way. But what I love is that, that we are a safe place that we will protect each other, and that when we hurt, we comfort each other. We walk through this with each other. And what this, what this means is that um, we have a fellowship of sufferings. When Paul's talking about that we partner, um, he says we actually become partakers in each other's sufferings. We become partners with Jesus in his suffering. It doesn't mean that we can take on the atonement, and we don't suffer the cross the way Christ suffered the cross for atonement from sins. It means that we partner with him because he knows suffering. He understands it. He gets it. We get in, involved in relationships with other people, and we know that life is messy, and we understand it. We get it. 
It's this, this whole idea that we cannot lead someone where we have never been. I mean, we, uh, then we're not leading. We're providing direction. We're saying, I'm not willing to go down there, but if you go right down Hurt Lane and take a right, you might get there. But I don't, I don't go down that street, buddy. That's a bumpy road. And God will use everything that we go through. I wish, honestly, that when we put our faith in Christ, that life just becomes this bubble where we're insulated from hurt, from pain, from suffering, and that the soundtrack of our life is always a happy melody. You know, we wake up and it's like a Disney movie, but it's not. I mean, sometimes we wake up and it's just this dark uh, minor key of a soundtrack to our life. And it hurts and it's messy and it's a little nasty at times. But that's where God says, that's where I want to be God of all of you. I mean, if we just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop with God, we would not understand how to partner with someone who's in the valley. If, in a, if, if we put our faith in a relationship with Christ and all of a sudden we're transcended from the, from the dark valley to the mountaintops where the sun always shines, what happens is we begin to look at people in the valley and say, why can't they get it? Why don't they understand how to get up here? If you would, how can you be that difficult or that thick or that uh, ignorant or have that much lack of a faith that you don't understand how to get from that dark situation to this mountaintop? And then we as Christians become jerks. We become bratty children of God that point fingers at other people and say the reason you're hurting, the reason that you're feeling pain is you don't have enough faith. You don't understand what you need to do. You can't even pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, get up. No, God says, I'm allowing some hurt and some rain to fall into your life because there's going to be somebody that as you walk through life and you're walking through a valley, that you can grab their arm and say, come on, let's go. This, this race that Paul talks about, that, we're, that we run in such a way to win the prize, it's not how many people in life we finish ahead of. That's a corporate mentality, and that's a, that's a really a, a, a mentality that we've created based on greed and our desire to get more, get more, get more, always be the champion. And what God is saying, this race that I've called you to, that I've created you to, is not how many people you beat out. It's how many people along your path of life that you reach down and you pick up and you say, walk with me. Come on, I can help you. Let's go. I know this hurts. Me too. I have experienced this. And that, that goes for everything. We tend to think in church that we can't talk about the divorce because somebody might go, oh, they've been divorced. And someone who has not been divorced will look at them and say, well, you just didn't work at your marriage. You just didn't put enough investment into it. I, I, I will tell you, as been a pastor, I have seen people invest everything into the marriage and it doesn't work. And then they feel like they have failed. And then they sit in churches and they become these these shadows, these wallflowers that desire so much to be around grace, but have such a fear of saying why they're there. But then I've seen people that go through the divorce that have been able to pick out those wallflowers and go over and say, I know this hurts. I will walk this path with you because I've walked it before. 
yeah, but you don't understand. He did this or she did this. You know, I, I do understand. I don't know the exact details of your situation. But you know what? You've been through divorce me too. You know, I don't, I don't know what your childhood was like. Uh, you know, not all of us live insulated and isolated events from pain. And that's where this partnership and this comfort starts to come in. And, and God just doesn't comfort us for us, you know. Yesterday, was, I, was, I understand I was being very selfish. I was like, God, I want to be comforted. Comfort me, comfort me, comfort me. And God doesn't work this way. It's really this double, double-edged blessing where he says, I'm comforting you, but there's, there's, a, there's a little uh, note here. That wouldn't be them, I don't think. Um, could you imagine if we answered that and it wasn't them? And we're like, uh, how will we answer that? The answer at Marine Creek Church? The answer at Children's Courtyard? <laughs> Marine Creek Church at the courtyard? That would be funny if it's them. Then he's going to say, I'm insecure because you didn't pick up. And we're like, you got my cell phone number. We'll be on Facebook later consoling each other. Oh, we're girls. Um, We'll be each other's comfort. Um, God just doesn't comfort us for our sake. He, He lets us experience that peace and that comfort through his presence so that, so that we can reach out and comfort someone else. We don't, we don't live isolated lives. We don't live isolated relationships with God. And I hear people say, I don't need church. I don't, I, I don't want to be a part of church because I've been a part and it, it's, it's messed up. Yes, it is. I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. I will be the first one to admit, yes, we are. We're not perfect. We try to live this, but we're not going to beat you up with it. And I hear people say, I just, I don't need church. I don't need it. Let me challenge you with this. You may not need it, but there may be somebody here who needs you. That's the design of this body of comfort. And the mathematics of this comfort, God's math is amazing. Because just as sorrow and suffering increases, it's a direct relationship. Comfort increases. It's the same thing that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Because God says, I'm pouring myself out. And God is this God of grace and comfort. And it doesn't mean that because the more sin, the more grace, that we go on sinning more. Paul says absolutely not. It changes us. It affects us. This grace that when we're transformed by this grace does something to us to where we look through a lens of grace instead of a lens of sin. That when suffering increases and abounds, that comfort abounds so that we can look through life with a lens of comfort. Not a lens of sterility and that nothing can harm us, but this lens of comfort that says not if it comes, when life comes. I have this comfort. I have this joy. I have this peace. And so we as a church, we as a body, we as a family, ought to be willing to endure trials together because we know that God's going to bless us and bless our community because we're not afraid to say, I'm hurting. Walk with me. Take my hand. Let's go. And we don't just get into this isolated, 
tunnel or silo of us as a church. There's many other churches in our community. And I'm developing relationships with those pastors because as pastors, they're struggling. And there are struggles that I go through. And it's so great to sit down with another pastor and say, man, let me just tell you what what I'm dealing with here. You know, find that relationship. We will help you find that relationship so that we can be this body and we can walk this together and experience God's comfort. So as we come down from this Christmas high and all the joy and, you know, we, we kind of enter this, this, this little Christmas lull mode or, uh, you know, let's refocus ourselves on that joy that it might not be an, uh, an overflowing, bubbly um, personality of joy but it's a solid rock that says in my joy my hope and my peace and my comfort is in Christ and that foundation will not be shaken and it's on that that we build our relationship with each other and let us not be afraid to say me too and endure and suffer together and suffer well together so that God blesses us and in turn blesses others around us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we, we, uh, we understand that life isn't always clean and neat. Um, we're, we're not that jaded and in, in, uh, uh, that Pollyanna in our attitude to think that uh, uh, we can be protected from everything. Uh, God, we know as parents that we can't protect our kids from everything. We can spend all of our life trying, God, but what we'll end up is disappointed and hurt. And so, God, we understand that, that as you said, rain falls on the just and the unjust. We understand that. And, God, we just ask that when that rain falls, that you give us a self-awareness, that you give us a presence of mind through the Holy Spirit, that we can reach out a hand and be a help and be a source of comfort to those in need. God, when we ourselves need comfort, we ask that through the Holy Spirit, you comfort us, but that you also send a hand to help us, to comfort us. And God, we're never, uh, may we never forget that you truly do understand everything we go through. Uh, You told us in Hebrews that we don't have this high priest who hasn't experienced anything, but has experienced everything. And he did it victoriously. And that high priest is Jesus. And so, Father, we place our faith, our hope, our life on Jesus. The real Jesus, not our, not our uh, Christmasized version of Jesus, but God, you who took on flesh and bone to live and to die so that we may live through your life. And so Father, help us to be sensitive to people around us that as we know the truth and the joy of this time of year and this day this Christmas season may we be sensitive to those who do experience hurt that this is a hard time of year that this is a lonely time of year that this is a time of year that reminds us that life is messy that life can be painful give us the sensitivity to reach out with hands of grace and hug with arms of comfort so that we can walk together 
so that you get the glory for everything that we do. Father, we love you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that you are the father of all comfort. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you humbled yourself to a a manger and a borrowed tomb so that both a cross and a tomb could be empty and our lives could be full. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.